Yo creo que este es muy the community of Immokalee is, is a community that is always forgotten. It's something that uh, is, is really clear in different ways. So um, whenever there's any kind of crisis that happens, for example, when a hurricane happens, this is always the last community to receive any kind of help. So you're talking about a community of people that is mostly made up of working people, um, working people from different countries to a lot of immigrants. Um, and and it's, a, it's also a community that is surrounded by really wealthy cities. So if you look at a city like Naples or Fort Myers, you're talking about cities that have residents with a lot of wealth in comparison to Mockley. So when it when it comes to our work, the, the most beautiful thing that, that we do is, is get to learn about our rights as workers and learn how to defend ourselves and defend our rights and to be able to speak for ourselves. So that's the beautiful part of the work that we do is that we we teach workers what their rights are and we teach workers how they can speak up and, and defend themselves. Welcome to the Picture Theory Podcast. My name is Jared Kahn, and today on the show I talk with Sylvia Perez and Natalie Rodriguez. Sylvia is a farm worker, staff member of the Coalition of Immokalee Workers and one of the coordinators of the women's group. She's also a DJ on the Coalition's radio station and organizes for the National Wendy's Boycott. Natalie is a staff member of the CIW and in addition to community support, she helps coordinate the logistics of the worker-to-worker education sessions that the CIW facilitates throughout the season. Natalie will also be translating today's conversation. As always, if there's someone you want us to bring on the show, visit our contact page at mocha, M-O-C-H-A, losangeles.com. Natalie and Sylvia, thanks for coming on the show. And do you mind just starting us off with, like, for people who aren't familiar with your work, can you just describe how you got involved, just what the general mission is before we dive into all the specifics? And maybe... What is at stake right now, as opposed to maybe, and how that how that kind of ramp forward, just in kind of a brief window, and then we can kind of go into some specifics. Dice gracias por estar presente y cuáles son para empezar antes de entrar a todos los detalles. Tal vez puedes explicar un poco quién es el grupo que hacemos, cuál ha sido un poquito de nuestra historia para entender el grupo que está haciendo estos esfuerzos aquí en Imocali y si también puedes Tal vez platicar un poquito sobre los retos más grandes que estamos viendo en este momento. Ok. Bueno, vamos a explicarles un poquito este, quiénes somos, ¿verdad? Somos la organización de la Coalición de Trabajadores de Inmópale, que fue fundado desde el 93 para arriba. Entonces, es la misma organización que fue fundado por nuestros compañeros y hoy en día nosotros estamos haciendo lo mismo que los compañeros empezaron a hacer. So we'll start off just by mentioning a little bit about the Coalition of Immokalee Workers. It's a farm worker organization that was started here in Immokalee, which I would add is in Southwest Florida, um, and in, in, in 1993. And so the, the work that the compañeros began then was work to be able to um, bring fair conditions to workers, and it's the work that we continue doing today. Y esta comunidad es una comunidad de trabajadores que son de Guatemala, de México y de Haití. Son trabajadores que vienen del país pobre, entonces vienen aquí pues a trabajar, a, como a trabajar y a sacar adelante de sus familias. Pero en veces nos hemos venido a encontrar con las pobrezas también de la comunidad que estamos viendo. And the community of Immokalee is made up of immigrant farm workers, the majority of whom are coming from, from México, Guatemala, and Haití. Um, and so the work that we are doing is to is responding to all of the issues that they have confronted in working in the fields. 
ya entonces este, los compañeros empezaron aquí como a fundarse para eliminar los abusos que por año existían en los campos, había mucho robo de salario, golpeaban a los trabajadores o mujeres que eran acosados por los mismos patrones o supervisores. And our organization began because of all of these issues that farm workers were experiencing. There's a lot of farm, there's a lot of um, wage theft. There's a lot of different, um, diff difficult working conditions, including extreme cases. So you're even, you're even talking about sexual harassment or sexual assault that a lot of women had to deal with for many years on behalf of other coworkers or their bosses or the supervisors. Y aquí en nuestra comunidad es una comunidad pequeña, pero tiene alrededor de 25 mil trabajadores que son trabajadores que trabajan en los campos en el tomate o en otros vegetales pequeños pero el trabajo más grande es el tomate and our community here is really small but you're talking about a community that dedicates itself to working in the field so approximately 25,000 people um, and and every and mostly everyone works in agriculture y los mismos trabajadores que están aquí ahorita mismo en nuestra comunidad el, la temporada acá es una temporada corta, se acaba el trabajo y ellos viajan a otros estados a seguir las temporadas haciendo lo mismo trabajo que hacen aquí en Nimocal. And we're also talking about a migrant community. So our community spends only part of the year here. So they, they, they're here throughout the, the season that they're picking for. And then as soon as that season is over, they'll head up north, they'll head to other states, to other towns to continue following the harvest. Entonces, este, como mencionamos, las condiciones de los trabajadores viven aquí, viven, donde viven los trabajadores, viven en una traila móvil donde llegan a vivir 10 o 12 trabajadores o con familias también en una sola vivienda. And here in town, when we're talking about the housing conditions, we're talking about groups of workers that have to live um, all, all together in, in, in trailers. So these are just re your regular trailers that you see in many places, but They'll live in those trailers between 10 to 12 people to be able to afford the rent. Ya, entonces, y ahorita mismo con esta, con esta situación que estamos enfrentando con este virus del coronavirus, es muy difícil que los trabajadores pueden vivir alisado uh, con sus compañeros de vivienda porque no hay otra opción de vivir en sus cuartos separados. Ellos tienen que vivir en las mismas casas donde viven los otros compañeros. And with what we're seeing right now with, with the coronavirus, that makes it an even more difficult situation because people don't have anywhere else to live. They don't live in a place where they can go into a bedroom by themselves. They lived in cramped places where you don't really have any sort of distancing between yourself and other people. Right, yeah. So um, I'm curious, how, how far back does the coalition go and 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 how was it kind of started do we have do you have an idea of uh, like a story behind that en en qué año se formó la coalición y cómo fue que se juntó con un grupito sabes algunas historias de esas primeras personas que fundaron la, la organización fue como la mera historia fue como en los 92 o 93 mm -hmm, por ahí más mm -hmm. o menos mm -hmm. um, veces los años se nos olvida pero más o menos como en el 92 a 93 fue fundado con seis trabajadores los mismos trabajadores que trabajaban en el fil en el campo ellos veían los problemas que ellos estaban en, enfrentando que ellos miraban a cada día entonces ellos mismos se empezaron a juntar, hicieron un, un grupito pequeño de seis trabajadores, empezaron a juntar en la iglesia de Guadalupe para ver un plan, cómo podían 
ayudar a esos trabajadores que no podían defenderse. So this was actually just a small group of workers, about six workers, um, and you know, around 1992, around 1993, that they started getting together, and it was, and you're ta- and, and six farm workers. So these are workers who had the experience of working in the fields, and they were just seeing firsthand what was happening to them and to other workers. And so they started having weekly meetings. Um, they began meeting in the local Catholic church here in town. Okay. Yeah. That's that's incredible. And what has the kind of journey been uh, for for either of you? Maybe maybe individually. I know since it's both of you, um, want to make sure I ask the question to you both. But maybe um, for Sylvia, what's what's been her journey as far as becoming kind of involved in mo- being mobilized to kind of take action on different issues? And what kind of has the you know I'm kind of interested in kind of the emotional landscape of what what issues are are kind of resonating with her the most and how that's kind of affected her throughout, you know, becoming kind of more interested in, you know, just getting, getting better at organizing and, you know, how that's affected farm work. Mm-hmm. Um, y pues la pregunta para ti, Silvia, es ¿cuál es tu historia personal? ¿Cómo fue que tú llegaste a trabajar con la coalición? Y, um, ¿Cómo, fui, cómo, ¿Cómo fuiste tú como desarrollándote poco a poco para, para apoyar a, a tu comunidad, a los trabajadores? ¿Qué, qué, es, ¿Qué fue lo que se te hizo tan importante ¿no? para participar? Bueno, yo empecé trabajando aquí, empecé participando en un grupo de mujeres que tienen junta de mujeres los domingos, que son por dos horas, es de cuatro a seis de la tarde. Estaba participando en ese grupo pero al mismo tiempo había una compañera que trabajaba aquí, que es una compañera que se llama Francisca, es de Oaxaca. Ella trabajaba aquí, pero luego ella se fue para México. Entonces, entonces fue donde ella me invitó si yo podría venir a trabajar, quedar en su lugar de ella, porque eso tuvo que mover para México. So when I first started getting involved with the CAW, I was part of the, the CAW's women's group. So it's a group of of women who typically get together every single Sunday from four to six, a couple of hours a week. Um, and I was participating in this group and I had been participating. And the, our, one, of, one of our compañeras from the group, Francisca, she was a CAW staff member and she was getting ready to, to leave and to go to Mexico, to move back home to Mexico. And that was when she reached out to me and asked me that whether I wanted to have a, whether I wanted to become part of the CAW staff. Okay. Y yo empecé trabajando en el 2008, empecé a trabajar acá con la coalición. Entonces yo estaba trabajando en el campo y yo he mirado tantos casos que pasa con especial con nosotros las mujeres, hay mucho acoso sexual, robo de salarios, no había esa opción en el 2008 para atrás. And so I became part of the staff in 2008 at the, and, and right before then I was still working in the fields. Um, and so from having worked in the fields, I... I saw I saw everything that happens to workers, especially what happens to us as women and the kind of treatment that we receive, the the sexual harassment, the sexual assault that we have to deal with. And so um, and so after after working in the field, that was when I joined the CAW staff. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. I know I, I didn't share much of my own kind of personal interest in this, but a few years ago I met you, Natalie, and then um mm-hmm. You know, I learned I learned a ton as as an aspiring, you know, activist kind of 
aspiring, like maybe, you know, documentary filmmaker or whatever, just um, about the very, just the very beginnings of some of these issues, especially what Sylvia's talking about with, with kind of not only being a farm worker, but being a woman and, and kind of working into like leading, you know, leading this kind of movement, you know? Mm-hmm. And so maybe could, could you talk a bit more about just like the, the day in the life of a, a like farm worker and what it means to be a woman, like uh, in a position of leadership, just kind of pushing for, um, you know, pushing forward this, this whole movement. Comparte Jared que pues, la primera vez que aprendí de la coalición fue hace unos años, de hecho cuando nos conocimos y pues aprendió bastante, ¿no? Aprendió mucho sobre la vida de los trabajadores, pero también los retos que ellos enfrentan y es bastante, ¿no? Es bien difícil el trabajo. Entonces, tal vez puedes explicarte un poquito de cómo es un día normal para un trabajador, cómo se ve un día de trabajo para ellos y cómo... ¿Cómo te sientes tú, no, como una mujer, como parte del staff, apoyando a estos esfuerzos? Ah, para un trabajador, un día normal, el trabajador se tiene que levantar desde las 5 o 6 de la mañana para salir y caminar a un parqueadero, ir a buscar o a trabajar y se va en un autobús, que los buses son los buses que usan los niños a la escuela, nomás que ya son pintados de otro color. Entonces, después el trabajador llega a su lugar de trabajo y en veces el trabajador tiene que ganar su salario a la cantidad de producción que tiene que hacer en un día. So the, uh, a typical day for a farm worker could start around 5 or 6 a.m. That, that might be around the time that they head out of their house and they go towards the nearest parking lot. There's, um, I would add, there's various, there's various um, parking lot locations where workers get picked up. And so... When you reach the, when you get to the parking lot, um, you that's where you'll find the bus that you'll use to get to and from work. Um, and, and we're talking about like school buses, like refurbished school bus, buses that are used, they're painted in different colors. Those are the types of buses that we're referring to that workers will get transported in. Um, and then when you, and, and from, from getting picked up at the parking lot, that's when you um, are taken to the fields where you'll be working for the day. Y ahorita como quiera ya hay una opción mucho mejor, ya las condiciones ya este, las condiciones de trabajo ya no están tan como antes. Ahorita pues ya en el 2011 empezó el programa con comida justa, donde los trabajadores ya no se van muy temprano a su lugar de trabajo, las llevan cuando mero van a empezar a trabajar. Entonces el trabajador... Eh, pasa más tiempo, un poquito más tiempo con su familia, alcanza de desayunar y no llevarlos muy temprano como antes, cuando no existía el programa, las llevaban bien tempranito a su lugar de trabajo y no empezar a trabajar hasta que se secaba la planta. Mm-hmm. So, and, and a, lot of, a lot of the working conditions have changed as well. Um, so the, the CAW began the Fair Food Program in 2011. And when the, when the fair food program began, that changed a lot of conditions in the industry. And so now um, for the majority of workers um, that are working within the program, their, their start time is actually a lot later, um, which has made a really big difference. They don't leave as early as they used to anymore, around five or six in the morning. Instead, they'll leave a little later in the morning, right before they're actually needed to go um, to go to work. Dirías tú, Silvia, como... 
si, si son trabajadores fuera del programa que tal vez siguen, oh. siguen empezando temprano o siguen o también ha cambiado su horario. And my question for Silvia was for workers that are not covered under the Fair Food Program, like do they are they still going out late or is or is their 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 schedule still really early the way it's always been? Right. Este, no. Para los trabajadores que trabajan fuera del programa, son ranchos que todavía no son participantes, no están con el programa, ellos sigan yendo a trabajar muy temprano, uh -huh. les pagan a los trabajadores a la hora que quieren o lo poquito que tienen y también no tienen esa opción, no tienen baño, no tienen sombra, no tienen agua para lavarse las manos, eso hace falta donde ranchitos que no están participando con el programa. So when we're talking about um, workers that are not picking at Fair Food Program farms, um, the, the conditions are very different. So those are still farms where they're, they're getting their workers to arrive really early in the morning. Um, those, tend to be, those tend to be farms as well where they don't actually have any shade for workers. No. They're, they're not obligated to have water for workers or, or you know, any, any, any sort of treatment like that that you would otherwise see in the fair food program. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That's a really great description of just, you know, the very specifics of daily life um, from the eye in the eyes of like, you know, the coalition. So I was curious, what does it look like? What are some of the issues? I know we can get to some of the very specifics of um, now that we're in the COVID pandemic and I'm sure there's, We're, we're already almost several months into it. Um, but before, before the whole pandemic broke out, could you paint a picture of what it was like to, what, to kind of push to get a victory? What does a victory look like? Or what, you know, what does one challenge look like? Like you're talking about, there's so many issues um, just down to uh, on the small scale. How do, how, do you, how do you approach changing even just one of those things to get Uh, a more fair treatment, you know. Um, I, know, I know there are, in Cincinnati, there is, there is a, like the Kroger shareholder meeting that happens. And I, I, I would go to that every, every year and just, there, you know, there's just kind of a uh, rally outside of Kroger. And then some, some members can get into, by being a shareholder, get in there and try to Uh, as a tactic to kind of try to get at least one or two voices heard. And that was, I don't know the specifics and maybe if you, if you have any information on, on that kind of thing, but the local, that local chapter in Cincinnati, because uh, there was, you know, it's a convoluted um, process, but I feel like there was a connection between the tomatoes, the tomato growers in Immokalee. And that's what got me. That's what led me to know about Immokalee. So I was curious one, just what are, What does it look like now? Now that we have a picture of daily life, what is the what do the specifics uh, look like of the struggle of saying like, okay, here's one issue, and here's exactly how we pushed for this uh, this thing, and then and then maybe what's a recent victory look like? Entonces dice que eso le ayuda mucho para entender un día para un trabajador, verdad y y ya estamos en esta pandemia, pero antes de esta pandemia, obvio, estamos en nuestro trabajo, en nuestra campaña. Y a él ha tocado ir a las juntas accionistas, por ejemplo, mm -hmm. en Kroger. Mm -hmm. Entonces, ha conocido un poquito de eso. Pero quisiera saber, como antes de esto, ¿qué es lo que estábamos haciendo? ¿A qué nos estábamos dedicando? Um, 
y, y cómo lo hacemos ¿no? para conseguir las victorias que hemos conseguido en, esto, en estos años en la campaña. Ok, antes de, da, antes de esta pandemia que estamos enfrentando, nosotros teníamos nuestra campaña, tenemos la campaña uh -huh, bien fuerte uh -huh. todavía, entonces cada año hacemos una acción grande y este año, especialmente en marzo, íbamos a ir a una, a una, este, a una marcha que iba a ser de tres días en el centro de Nueva York, íbamos a salir el 7, el 7 de marzo para regresar el 14, entonces uh -huh. íbamos a ir con trabajadores de la comunidad para presionar a Wendy's. Como su pregunta es, ¿cómo se han ganado las, uh, las campañas? Eh, las campañas se han ganado con presiones, con protesta, con marchas o con ayuno y con participación de la gente de fe y los estudiantes de las diferentes universidades y los trabajadores del campo. Mm -hmm. So just, just before this pandemic started, um, we were doing all of our campaign work and our, the campaign is, our, our campaign work is still existent, but it's obviously very different from what it was before. Um, but, but just, just before this, this whole crisis came out, we were actually getting ready for a tour. We were going to be heading, um, to New York city on March 7th. And we were going to be there for a whole week with, with, um, with two buses of farm workers in in manhattan um and uh we, we were getting ready to do a, a three-day march in new york city for the wendy's boycott i would add um and so that that's what was happening before the campaign was really strong then it's still strong now but it just looks very different um and in terms of what we've had to do over the years to to get the different victories that we've seen it's taken a lot of work Um, it's taken a lot of pressure more, more than anything. It's figuring out how to, how to build that pressure that gets you what you want. And, um, and also seeing the different, the, the different types of action that you can organize. So we've always organized either marches, we've organized fasts, we've organized, um, all, all sorts of, all sorts of different forms of, of protest to be able to, um, apply that pressure. And we are also a group of people that works with all kinds of allies. So, um, historically we worked really heavily with, with students and young people. We've worked a lot with um, people of faith, but then, but there's also, there's been all kinds of people that have been involved. Yeah, that's, that's a great description. And could you describe a little bit uh, the details of maybe like the, like a, maybe one, what does one demand look like? Like maybe say it was uh, however much more per tomato or, you know, I, I don't, not that this is, this is the actual example, but just if they're, If there's a concrete example of what that looks like, just so people have an idea, and then um, maybe maybe some uh, what what are the different tasks that people can ways that people get involved, not just from outside the coalition, but once people are already kind of involved, say students or people who are already members and farm workers and uh, and yourselves, like what kind of tasks are there to be done, and what does it look like to kind of When, well, you know, what is, what is the ideal scenario when things are like, everything's going well and we're on track to, obviously with the New York thing before every, before, oops, before the whole pandemic came across. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, I know that's a long way to put it, but just could you describe some of the micro kind of tasks and, and little things that people have to work on? Mm -hmm. um, entonces, ¿cuáles son, pues la primera pregunta es cuáles son las, las demandas que tenemos nosotros, como qué exactamente es lo que le estamos pidiendo a, 
corporaciones um, y también cómo lo hacemos para involucrar a la gente, cómo, qué, qué son las maneras que la gente puede tomar acción y, y apoyar. Ah, su primera pregunta es cómo... Las, nuestras cuál, demandas cuál de la, las demandas sí, para las de corporaciones. La uh -huh. Ok. Ah, las demandas de la, para las corporaciones son que ellos se unen al programa con comida justa, que ellos llegarían a pagar un centavo por cada libra de tomate que, comprar, que compran aquí en Imócale y también eliminar los abusos que existen en los campos, hay violencia, acoso sexual. Sabemos que ese, ese problema nunca se va a terminar. Hay problemas todavía donde existe, pero eso las tres cosas importantes que se le pide a la corporación para que ellos sean parte para unirse al programa con comida justa. So the so essentially we we have three demands that we make of these corporations. Um, so the the first demand is that they pay one extra penny for every pound of tomatoes that they purchase, and that extra penny goes straight back into into the paychecks of of workers. Um, we also ask um, them to respect the rights of workers, and so that means. Um, what I would add is that it's a it's a code of conduct that is signed, um, and so these the, these corporations agree to making sure that there's no unfair treatment of workers, eliminating things like wage theft, like sexual harassment, um, and also um, having a, a a zero tolerance policy. I would call it about uh, for um, for sexual assault and modern day slavery. And these are these are the things that we. Um, our, our de the, the demands that we make of the corporations to be able to um, become part of the Fair Food Program. Awesome, yeah. Well, who are some of the key players? I know you mentioned Wendy's, um, and I went. I remember going to. I don't know if if it was with all of y'all or if it was with the the Fair Food Alliance, um, but it was like uh, Wendy's headquarters in Columbus, I think, or mm -hmm. somewhere in there. Um, what? Are, are there any other corporate, because I know, uh, maybe you could paint a picture for people who just aren't familiar, but um, the tomatoes that you're growing are going all over the nation, right? This is a part of, maybe you could describe that a little, how, how far this kind of reaches and why it's so um, vital to people who, they may not realize it, but they're actually, they're implicated in this whole process, the whole food system process. Maybe... Uh, you could talk about that and or some of this, just who the key players are, where are the tomatoes sold to and and how does that system look where it's like, okay, there, how many, how many pieces of the puzzle are there where it goes from the growers to, and then the next step, you know what I mean? Maybe just kind of paint a picture of that. Sure. Um, y, y cuáles son los blancos que tenemos ahorita y que... ¿Qué, ¿Qué pasa con esos tomates? Aquí se cosechan, aquí los trabajadores lo, aquí tra, los trabajadores lo cosechan, pero ¿qué, ¿a dónde van esos tomates? ¿A, a, a, ¿Cómo se surte? ¿no? Porque hay algunos, algunas personas que tal vez no tienen ese entendimiento, no saben cómo funciona el, la industria. Ok, entonces el tomate aquí se, se produce y entonces este, los trabajadores lo cortan y entonces lo ranchero. Lo, lo venden a las corporaciones, a McDonald's, a Burriquín, a Walmart, a otras, a otras corporaciones. Entonces, las corporaciones son los que compran la cantidad de tomate con los rancheros aquí en Imócale. Y esos son distribuidos en los estados donde no sabemos que allá para el norte 
no hay nada de temporada de tomate ahorita, entonces toda la tomatera que se produce aquí en el estado de la Florida, como 90% de tomates son producidos aquí en Florida y son distribuidos a diferentes estados donde no hay nada de producción en estos momentos. Mm -hmm. so, so the way that the way that this industrial system works is that we so here in Immokalee there's there's thousands of workers that pick a lot of tomatoes and so then you get companies like Walmart, like Whole Foods, like um, like the fast food companies that will come to these to these growers in, in the region and they'll make their orders for what, for all the tomatoes that they that they want to purchase for their company. And we know that in the majority of the country um, during this time of the year, there is no tomato harvest. And so 90% of what Florida harvests is what is shipped all around the country for eight months out of the year during the winter season. Um, and so these um, these corporations will will order from these companies and then they they go through a whole process to be able to ship them out to all the locations where you might where you might buy your tomatoes. Right. So these are basically the tomatoes that make it into everyone's kitchens. Uh, como los tomatitos chiquitos, mucha gente, muchos hospitales mm -hmm. o restaurantes, hoteles que lo producen mucho para sus ensaladas y son distribuidos para diferentes, diferentes compañías, diferentes lugares donde mm -hmm. ellos comen pues los vegetales. Mm -hmm. Y son de toda clase, ¿no? Estás son hablando de toda de clase, clase de, de tomate. Sí. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, so we'll... So, for example, the 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 cherry tomatoes, right? Like a that's a that's a that's a that's a specific type of tomato that a lot of restaurants will order, or that a lot of hospitals will order because they'll provide it sometimes in the cafeterias that they have. And so, um, we're talking about all kinds of tomatoes um, that are that are that are harvested and then sent out to different kinds of companies. Okay, yeah. So it's just it's all the different kinds of tomatoes you can think of and. What, um, maybe just to get into the, some other specifics, what is, do we know anything about like why, why, uh, tomatoes are grown in Immokalee, Florida and what that, like, um, is there any, is there any story there behind like, why is it, why is it tomatoes and not, and not something else or, or kind of what's, is there a history there that is worth kind of discussing or is it just you know yeah yeah um i por, sabes por qué hay tanto tomate que se cosecha aquí porque no no sé si tú sabes un poco de la de la historia por qué tanto tomate y y no tanto de otro producto porque es la mayoría de lo que se ve por acá pues yo creo que no yo no voy a tener tanta respuesta sobre esto, pero yo creo que va por el terreno, que aquí el estado de la Florida es un terreno donde, donde es adecuado para, para el tomate. Sabemos que hay más tomate en otros estados, pero se produce bien poquito, porque en otros lugares hay mucha blueberry, tabaco, camote, otras industrias, pero aquí en el estado de la Florida es 90% de tomate que se produce aquí en el estado de la Florida. Pues yo no tengo esa opción por qué escogieron los rancheros de venir a quedarse aquí en el estado de la Florida o tal vez porque la temporada aquí es como empiece desde noviembre y se acaba hasta mayo. 
pero cuando el trabajo para plantar el tomate empiece desde septiembre, agosto, septiembre a plantarse el tomate y se produce en noviembre y se cabe, se cabe la temporada en abril o en mayo. Entonces yo creo que por esa misma razón es, muy, es mucho tiempo y se produce como dos temporadas de tomate en una... En, en una dos mm, temporadas de tomate uh -huh. en una cómo le dirán esa palabra en una temporada ya. una temporada o sea, las dos cosechas Ajá. y es una y es una industria que ya es que tiene o sea so, estamos hablando de décadas que sí. se está produciendo el tomate por yeah. acá ya yeah. um, so we don't know if we have an, an exactly like all the all the history um, recorded about how that began but we but You know, I think it has a lot to do with the soil, with the with the with the soil that that Florida has. Um, tomatoes are are largely produced around here, and obviously, we know that if you're talking about blueberries, if you're talking about sweet potato, if you're talking about another produce, you'll go to a different region, and that'll be the primary thing that is that is harvested there. You know, and here it is tomatoes. So, um, the 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 soil might have something to do with it. Um, also, it's a long season. So you're talking about um, in, in September is when workers begin doing all the prep work. They, they mm. begin down the plastic. They begin um, planting all the seeds so that by November, that's really when the harvesting season begins. And then the harvesting season goes until April or May. Um, so it's a very long season. And on average, within every single season, you're able to do two harvests of the tomato plant. And so it's a, it's, it's pretty long and you get quite a bit, you could get quite a bit of produce from it if everything goes normally. And, and, and the only other thing that I, that I was mentioning just separately is that it's also, it's an, it's an industry that has existed for, for decades. Um, I know it's one that, at, at least here in South Florida, it's, it's one that was still seeing, you know, like the, the after effects of, of, of slavery and one where like the population here was largely black in the early years of the the formal tomato industry and has now shifted to being a mostly Mexican, Guatemalan, or Haitian um, industry. Y la, lo, lo que acabo de mencionar también es el cambio, ¿no? Que al principio era mucha gente afroamericana mm -hmm. y ahora estamos viendo que son muchos de otros países. De otros países. Mm -hmm. Gracias. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a really great description too because that was my follow-up question is really to get into the... Uh, This, the what is it the landscape the social and political landscape of Immokalee situated in Florida because uh, I mean from what I know I, I've never lived in Florida but it's you know it has a reputation for kind of being at least surrounded by a conservative climate as far as like politics go and so obviously the conservative movement is pretty much against the a lot of the human rights and the activism that is on the left and so i'm um, uh, as far as raising wages raising benefits for healthcare, all these things is there anything you want to be able to say about kind of what it's like to have a family in immokalee and how that uh you know as a farm worker how, how is that um you know what is the community what are communities like there and what do you feel as far as the communities around you how you're how you're treated, perceived in, in, in a kind of a, not maybe a broader sense, but in a local, in a local like sense of, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and maybe how that might be changed because of the past four years having, we have a Trump administration that has brought out a lot of uh, white nationalism and 
you know, I, I, you don't have to speak to any of this if you don't want to, but if there, uh, I feel like there is, there's a lot to be talked about as far as, um, you know, everything that's going on, especially possibly in Florida. So if there's anything, any insights you have or anything that you want to kind of be able to say. Yeah. Yeah. Dice, um, pues, ¿cómo, cómo es vivir en un pueblo como Imocali, no? Porque sabemos, dice, yo nunca he vivido en la Florida, yo no sé cómo, la Flor cómo es vivir en la Florida, pero lo que sí sé es que hay mucha gente conservadora aquí, especialmente los políticos son bien conservadores y sabemos que los políticos, esa gente conservadora también muchas veces lo hace más difícil, ¿no? Para uno, para poder subir los sueldos, para poder cambiar condiciones. Um, entonces, ¿cómo es el pueblo de Mucali? ¿Y cómo tratan a la gente de aquí? ¿Cómo son, son vistas? ¿Cómo es tener una familia aquí en Mucali? Yo creo que este es una buena pregunta que hace, que él tiene para, para saber la realidad aquí en esta comunidad es una comunidad que está que está como olvidado por como él dijo mucha gente alrededor de nosotros como Formayer Naples ahí hay mucha gente que es de dinero y esa gente tiene una buena opción entonces esta comunidad es una comunidad de gente trabajadora que son como mencionamos gente de diferentes países entonces aquí viven aquí viven muchas familias pero cuando pasa cualquier cosa si nosotros enfrentamos un huracán entonces, es el pueblito que recibe las últimas ayudas cuando el gobernador o sea de donde vienen las ayudas, acá siempre este pueblito lo dejan hasta el último que van a instalar la luz o que van a arreglar algo del agua. Ellos inmediatamente llega esa ayuda, pero en otros lugares donde, como mencionamos, que hay gente como más de dinero, gente más de que tiene esa capacidad pero en nuestra comunidad estamos completamente olvidados. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a good question that you're asking. Um, I think that the community of Amakli is, is a community that is always forgotten. It's something that uh, is, is really clear in different ways. So um, whenever there's any kind of crisis that happens, for example, when a hurricane happens, this is always the last community to receive any kind of help. So you're talking about a community of people that is mostly made up of working people, um, working people from different countries to a lot of immigrants. Um, and and it's, it's also a community that is surrounded by really wealthy cities. So if you look at a city like Naples or Fort Myers, you're talking about cities that have residents with a lot of wealth in comparison to Mockley. And so what we've noticed is that whenever anything, whenever there's like a, a, a crisis happening at a larger scale, whether the help is going to come from the governor, whether the help is coming more locally or from Um, any anyone from the from the government, um, it it tends to it tends to comes really late or not enough. The we'll 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 be the last ones to get our lights turned on. We'll be the last ones to get the water damage fixed. Um, so it's a it's a forgotten community. Yeah, yeah, that's really powerful to hear that story because. <clears throat> Is there um, the I'm trying to think some of the, what are, uh, just to transition a little bit, um, on the, when I came there, when I came for the Encuentro in 2015, maybe, <laughs> um, <laughs> there is, there is so much to say about, I know there's a lot of struggles, um, uh, and I was curious to, if you wanted to speak to any of the, uh, you know, what is, what are some of the joys that you have as far as working 
alongside like a coalition or as an individual? Is there anything that kind of brings you joy in this in this kind of moment? And despite all of the struggles that there are, you know, all as everything has been amplified, not only by, um, you know, in the last four years, but maybe now it's again amplified by the uh, COVID crisis. Uh -huh. um, dice cuando vino el encuentro en 2015 pues aprendió que hay muchos problemas no hay muchas cosas que enfrentan los trabajadores pero también él se imagina que hay cosas bonitas no entonces a ti qué se te ha hecho como las, las, las cosas bonitas de este trabajo que, que hacemos nosotros porque por primera vez en mucho tiempo como que hay más hay más atención llegando de nuevo a Imocali por todo lo que está sucediendo con la pandemia ahorita, pero a ti que se te ha hecho como algo, algo bonito de, del trabajo que hacemos. El trabajo que hacemos lo más bonito es este saber el derecho que uno tiene, cómo poder defender, mm. porque en veces mm -hmm. cuando uno siga trabajando en el puro campo, en el puro campo, no sabes que tienes un derecho. Tú no sabes porque si porque eres mujer, soy mujer y yo no, no sé si hablo o me quedo callada. Pero ya estando aquí en esta organización es bien bonito porque uno aprende de muchas cosas de diferentes personas, uh -huh. de gente de otro país o trabajadores que trabajan en la matanza de pollo, en las fábricas de las costuras, en la lechería, en cual, cualquier trabajadores. Yo he aprendido mucho de diferentes trabajadores que trabajan en diferentes industrias. Uh -huh. So when it when it comes to our work, the the most beautiful thing that that we do is is get to learn about our rights as workers and learn how to defend ourselves and defend our rights and to be able to speak for ourselves. Because if I wasn't so involved and if I was still in the fields, um, it's it's it, it could be easy to think like, oh, as a, as a woman, I don't have a voice and I can't do anything. So if if something happens, I'm I have to decide if I'm going to speak up or stay quiet. I might stay quiet. Um, but I think that's the that's the beautiful part of the work that we do is that we we teach workers what their rights are and we teach workers how they can speak up and and defend themselves. And then, but we also get to learn from many other people. So I've had a chance to not only learn from the CIW, but I've had a chance to learn from from people in other countries, people in other parts of the states, people who who do other jobs as well, like the like the people who produce dairy or the people who work in chicken factories or who work in Um, in sweatshop factories, there's also been an opportunity to, for me to learn from a lot of different individuals. Yeah, yeah. And that brings up another interesting kind of uh, one thing that I was curious about was the, the, you know, the intersection of all of these different, um, any, any other uh, facets, like I, uh, the previous It's not released yet, but one of the episodes is um, talking with somebody from the Gig Workers Collective who, uh, or Coalition, which is basically people who are, they take the groceries from the grocery store and they drive them to mm -hmm. maybe elderly or anyone who is ordering kind of large amounts of groceries. And they have their own, uh, it, seems, it seems to me that there is, that, that to somehow see the commonalities between these struggles, which is that these companies are exploiting, you have, you know, whether it's Uber Eats or uh, Instacart and all these different things, they're always trying to push to pay the least amount of money 
to their you know contract workers and then make sure they have they don't have a framework for benefits and then they're simultaneously trying to get the customer of that app to to kind of disassociate the relationship between the people who are in this case not the growers of the food but the people who are the deliverers of the food they're trying to create that distance between oh these are human beings behind the food so I know that's not a question, but my question would be, do you have any message for the people who, you know, I know people, they get their tomato and they don't really, it's not a story to them. It's not a, Mm -hmm. it's just a, it's just a material, but they don't really realize like maybe how much, you know, uh, how much energy and, and struggle has gone in just for that one tomato or that one pound of tomatoes. So is there any, Thing you would have to the people who are maybe they're not tied into the movement yet but maybe they are their air they would be on their on an ally they just need a little push you know mm-hmm. yeah um dice que acaba de hacer otra entrevista con un trabajador que hace los envíos de comida porque ahorita es, es algo que se está usando bastante hay diferentes compañías que ahora para para no ir a un Publix para no ir a un super nomás Haces tu, orden. Haces tu orden y luego llega una persona y te deja la comida, pero mm-hmm. lo que él estaba explicando es que en esa entrevista salió muchas cosas, ¿no? Que esas personas están sufriendo bastante ahorita porque no, no les pagan mucho, no son directamente empleados de, de, la, de la tienda, entonces mm-hmm. tampoco no reciben beneficios. Y además de eso, la gente que compra su comida como no no reconoce, ¿no? No reconoce el trabajo de esas personas mm-hmm. que muchas veces son invisibles, que uno no, es, es, es otro sistema, pero es parecido porque igual se, se les aprovecha, ¿no? Uno yeah. se aprovecha de, de esos trabajadores yeah. también, entonces, um, pues sí, y eso existe porque hay muchas personas que no, no saben la historia de su comida. Yeah. Entonces, ¿qué sería un mensaje que compartirías tú a esas personas que tal vez no saben lo que pasa detrás de un tomate para cosecharlo? ¿Qué, qué le dirías tú a esa gente que no no ha aprendido todavía sobre el sistema de comida y el trabajo que hacen los trabajadores. Ya, yo creo que este es muy importante para toda aquella gente que, que llegaría a escuchar la historia o cómo es la vida de un trabajador en el campo, cómo ellos mantienen a su familia, qué cantidad de dinero ganan en un año. Un trabajador en el campo no gana muchísimo. Como mencionamos, las temporadas son cortas y la temporada en otros estados no se pone tan bueno. Entonces, la única manera que ellos aprovechen es de estar más tiempo aquí. Y es la única opción, que tal vez aquí sí hacen un poquito de dinerito, pero cuando llegan en otros estados, en veces allá la temporada es más corta. Y para, para un trabajador del campo, pues es muy difícil para sacar adelante su familia, si dejaron familia en Guatemala o en México y mantenerse a la misma persona es un poquito difícil porque no gana de suficiente dinero. That's a it's a it's a really important story to tell to be able to tell people what goes into all of that work um, because you 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 won't know right away that it's a very difficult job and that it takes a lot of work to be able to maintain your ma- maintain your family um, because already farm workers don't make a lot of money. I think I would add that um, I would add that the wage I believe is seventeen thousand dollars a year on average. Um, and so Silvia was explaining that um, it 
you you also aren't sure how the season is going to go. So you're you're here and you're you work a lot here while you're here in Amakli, but then you you go up north and you might you might the the season might be really short, right? It's never you you never get a full twelve months of work, and so um, and, and that makes it really difficult for people to raise their families, whether they raise them here or if they have their families in Guatemala or in Mexico that they're still supporting. It's just very. I think it's it's important for people to know that it's it's very difficult work to be able to sustain yourself and and in your family. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's that's really insightful. And I, I was curious what does a like there so we, we mentioned wage theft earlier um and i'm just curious if you could talk more about if it may be wage theft or like some of the specific ways maybe not necessarily that people listening could get involved but maybe they could but is that uh these different i know there's so many angles you can approach like to get demands on the, on the kind of small scale of like okay here's what it looks like specifically Here's how wages are being taken. Is wage theft something that is worth kind of talking about, and and how that works works out right now? In in terms of in terms of how any person might be able to respond to that, or um, yeah, yeah, or if if yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, entonces, el el robo de salario fue algo que mencionaste hace tiempo um, como un problema no que enfrentan los trabajadores. Entonces. Um, y, y eso se escucha también en otros lugares. Entonces, ¿cómo, qué, qué hacen ustedes en un, en un caso de, de robo de salario? Y tal vez si hay alguien escuchando que ha escuchado de un caso así, ¿qué tal vez son cosas que uno puede hacer? Ahorita, como, como mencionamos, ¿verdad? La coalición es el trabajo que hace. Entonces, aquí en veces llaman o vienen los trabajadores porque ya la coalición está reconocido. Entonces aquí los trabajadores llaman o vienen. No, pues yo fui a trabajar con tal patrón, no me pagó, trabajé tantos días y no me ha pagado. Entonces lo que hacemos como la coalición, hace ese llamado al patrón o con qué la persona fue a trabajar y si contesta, entonces explique que por qué no han pagado a esos trabajadores que habían trabajado y no, no fueron pagados. Algunas personas que sí vienen y pagan aquí. Los que ya están reconocidos por la coalición, ellos vienen y pagan a los trabajadores aquí. Donde es un poquito difícil de hacer ese cobro es como los trabajadores que trabajan en la construcción o en la yarda, pero ya los trabajadores como pescadores de tomate ya es más fácil porque uh -huh. algunos ranchos que ya son participantes o si ya la coalición es reconocido. Entonces hay como esas dos cositas. So we so those those cases of wage theft still keep coming up. We have a lot of workers that will call the office and they'll 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 talk to someone here and they'll they'll explain what happened to them that they were working with with this this boss for this many days and they weren't paid this many wages. Um, and we hear we continue hearing about those issues all the time. Um, the way that we respond to that might vary because if they're if it's a worker that is on a tomato field in the fair food program, that's dealt with very differently. It's it's more challenging for us when it's not a worker represented by the fair food program because then you um, it, it all it all depend on the kind of pressure that we're able to that we're able to put down. And so the the good thing here is that in agriculture in our in our area at least, like even if it's not a fair food program farm, if it's a farm outside of the program. 
Luckily, the CAW is well known enough where that if the CAW does get involved, it tends to be something that can be resolved quickly. And so sometimes those bosses will even show up here to the office and they'll pay directly in person that worker the wages that they're missing. Um, it's, it's more challenging for us when we get other cases such as construction or landscaping, um, because those are, uh, especially when they don't, they don't recognize the, the CAW as an organization, it's a bit more difficult. So you really do what you can by calling the boss and explaining what you already know and, and the, and the facts that you have on hand and just, and doing the best you can to talk them, th- to talk them into, um, making sure that they, they pay those wages. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe it would be useful um, just as we, I know we're, we're going on, uh, you know, going on for a little while. How's your time looking, by the way? Is it, uh, do you have a little bit longer to d- just a few more wrap ups? Dice se que se ha alargado un poquito, pero no sé cómo están ustedes con tiempo. Tal vez unos minutos más para poder hacer unas otras preguntas. Yeah. Thank you. I, I just don't want to push your time too far. Um, one question I have is, is if you could paint a picture of the, what is an ideal, you know, you know, if you're, if you're seeing the, the phase that we're in right now, where we are in the pandemic, what is a post or as we kind of transition into not exactly as the way things were, I don't think that will probably ever happen, but maybe the, a future where, you know, maybe you could talk about the challenges of the protective gear and what what demands there are there but also what is an i what does it look like uh your vision of the future look like for if everything could be as optimal as possible and what those what are the small things look like that they all kind of add up to this future that is like okay now we're moving in you know basically what does it look like to be moving in the right direction to where people are treated fairly paid fairly uh, maybe help. Maybe we could talk a little bit more about healthcare, which we didn't talk much about. Like, what does what does it look like when a worker gets sick in the fields, and how are they treated? Or even, you know, obviously before and after. Now that we're in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Sí, dice pues pues hablando del futuro, ¿no? Sabemos que hay que la coalición tiene diferentes esfuerzos para mejorar. La, las condiciones para los trabajadores ahorita, por ejemplo, las, las mascarillas que estamos tratando de conseguir y diferentes cosas así. Um, pero, ¿qué más para ti sería justo para los trabajadores? ¿Qué es lo que estamos pidiendo? Um, y puede ser que tenga que ver con el coronavirus, ¿no? La, la respuesta al, al virus y lo que se está haciendo ahorita. O en general, ¿qué, qué, ¿qué es lo que todavía le hace falta al trabajador para poder estar en un trabajo más justo? Ok, mire lo que se está, lo que se está este, trabajando mucho. Tenemos una campaña bien fuerte que se está como presionando al gobernador de la Florida porque sí es urgentemente que haya un hospital, que haya una opción donde el trabajador puede irse a hacerse el examen o un chequeo si se, o si tiene esa enfermedad o no tiene, qué bueno, pero si tiene... Eh, no hay una opción cerquita, no hay una opción segura para que ese trabajador pueda irse a hacer un examen. Como mencionamos, el hospital queda una hora. Hay dos pueblos, estamos entre medio de dos pueblos, pero son la misma distancia que el trabajador. Y los trabajadores no tienen esa opción. Muchos no tienen carro de ir a hacer un examen que le van a atender inmediatamente al trabajador. Mm-hmm. So, so right now... Um, 
what we're what we're working on is a really strong campaign to get a field hospital built in town. We've mentioned we mentioned a little earlier that the the nearest hospital is an hour away. Um, we're in between two larger cities, so Naples and Fort Myers, and it's the same distance to reach a hospital in either of those areas. And so right now during this pandemic, if a worker is sick or if a worker wants to get tested, there isn't really anywhere that that worker could go right now unless they figure out a way to, you know, trek an hour driving outside of town. Um, and so that's the, so so right now the, the, the campaign we have is to pressure the um, Governor Ron DeSantis of our state um, to to be able to build that that field hospital for workers and make it more accessible. And what I would, nomás para añadir un poco sobre la, la petición que tenemos ahorita en línea, um, and, and just to like add a little bit about the, the petition, we have an online petition right now. There's more than 36,000 folks that have signed it. Um, we're asking yeah. more people to sign it. Um, but that the, the, the plan of the field hospital, in addition to um, isolation quarters, um, porque eso también es, uh, no sé si quieres hablar un poquito más sobre um, los campamentos que también estamos pidiendo, porque si alguien prueba oh, sí. positivo, ¿a dónde, va, ¿a dónde va a ir esa persona? Yeah. Y también se está como pidiendo que si hay algo como... Seguro, ¿verdad? Un campamento donde si un trabajador sale con ese, con ese virus, entonces ese trabajador tiene esa opción de dónde puede retirarse de esa familia si viven 10 personas en una vivienda. Ese trabajador tiene esa opción de ir a un lugar seguro, que tenga comida, que tenga alguien que le esté cuidando, ¿no? Entonces es lo que estamos también queriendo y ojalá que pues alguien toma esa consideración que un lugar seguro para donde se puede el trabajador um, curarse o, me o mejorarse mientras mm -hmm. que se está cuidando. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're also asking for there to be um, self-isolation um, setup of any kind, whether it's like, whether, whether it's a, a camp setup, but if any if any worker does show up positive for for the virus it's not really an option for that worker to go back to their trailer where they live with 10 other people and so what we're also asking the state to 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 take care of is to make sure that they set up isolation quarters for any worker that does test positive so that they can um they so that they can be housed there taken care of medically and also receive anything else they need while they're while they're still in recovery right mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So people can, if you wanted to sign the petition, you can be from anywhere or where, what are the limits of, of who can kind of sign that uh, petition? Is it just Florida or is it all over or? No, I think um, originally we thought that it was going to be like a bunch of Florida allies, but we've been getting support from everywhere. And so I think, you know, you're, you're welcome to, to sign. it's an online petition on change.org. And so, okay. um, yeah, you're welcome to sign it if you would like to support. Awesome. Yeah. And I was curious if, if I, you know, either of you could talk about the kind of network of different, uh, I know there's the Student Farm Worker Alliance, there's the Fair Food uh, Alliance. And I've, could you talk about the, some of the key players that you work with or work alongside or that are your allies and maybe ways that, I know obviously this is, uh, people not only uh, from all over could could hear this and maybe be inspired to, if they can't get involved with the CIW, maybe they could get involved 
the way that somehow, as somebody who was just from Cincinnati, somehow was able to learn about the CIW and how it affected how I, then I was able to realize like, oh, okay, this is the tomatoes that I'm buying are coming from here. And, it, you know, is there, is there a picture you could paint that just kind of shows those or the, the, the key organizations that you see, the constellation of, of different things all moving in a similar direction? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, ¿Puedes hablar un poco sobre nuestra red de aliados? ¿Cómo, ¿Quién es la alianza? ¿Quién es SFA? ¿Quiénes son los diferentes grupos que nos apoyan? Y um, no más como para también dar una idea de cómo, cómo se ve nuestra red. Por ejemplo, si alguien quisiera involucrarse, ¿cómo, cómo lo ¿Cómo podría puede? hacer? Mm-hmm. Sí, yo creo que es bueno esto de de explicarlo porque también al nivel nacional de que en este país también hay una red de aliados que están en diferentes estados, que apoyan aquí a los trabajadores, también hay una red de la gente de fe, también han sido como unos aliados bien fuerte y bien poderoso porque ellos siempre que nosotros hacemos como salidas o tenemos protesta y todo, ellos también nos han abrido mucho la, las puertas y en especial los estudiantes también han jugado un papel bien importante cuando se está organizando como una protesta o una marcha, también ellos son las personas que son principales porque ellos son los que están en las universidades donde tenemos la campaña. So, so our network is national. It, it could include anyone in, in the country who wants to get involved and to support. Um, estamos en una entrevista. Um, and so the and and that includes our, our network of people of faith. We work with um, people of faith all over the um, all over the country who have always shown up to support us in many different ways. Even even um, including in, in in the resources that a lot of people of faith are able to provide. Um, and we also work uh, really closely with students and young people in different parts of the country, different universities, different cities, and. And they've always been one of the biggest groups to show up in a lot of the things we do, a lot of the the, the protests that we have, the events that we have. Um, and so we've we've always it, it's it's been good for us to always be able to work with um, different kinds of people. And and what I would what I would add, no más para añadir un poquito sobre la alianza basada aquí en Imokali. We and, and here the way that it's coordinated from the ground is we have. We share offices with the Alliance for Fair Food. And so this is a staff of five people right now. Um, and these these folks work work to maintain that whole network and to be in touch with people who want to get involved from anywhere that they're located. And so that the, the Alliance for Food is, is our umbrella organization, you can say, that is in touch with not just students and not just people of faith, but anyone really, whether it's an individual or whether it's like a union trying to make a contact with us, you know, really anyone who wants to get involved. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything um, that uh, that we didn't get to talk about in this that is like, you know, that, that we skipped over or that we just didn't uh, kind of an avenue that we didn't get to explore that was really like that you want to kind of talk about? Hay algo más que quisieras añadir, tal vez algo que no hemos podido platicar en mucho detalle o algún otro mensaje que quisieras compartir. Pues yo creo que ya hay mucho que, que hablar, pero también lastimosamente el tiempo se, es muy rápido, pero yo creo que este, 
en estos momentos lo que estamos enfrentando es una cosa que lo estamos enfrentando al nivel nacional, en todos los países, uh -huh. en todos los estados, pero lo que queremos también que, que la realidad de los trabajadores, que es muy importante también la salud de ellos. Uh -huh. So, you know, there's there's always so many things that we can talk about. And, and unfortunately, the time always goes by really fast. But, um, you know, the, the reality that we're facing right now is a reality that everyone is facing. Um, it's a really difficult time. But it's it's really important to keep in mind within all of this that farm workers are always going through a more vulnerable time. And it's a really difficult um, reality that they're already living day to day. And I think and and what. What I would add to that, um, para añadir un poco, por ejemplo, del, del concierto y las redes sociales, que la gente se mantenga allí. Um, I, I, would, I, would just, I would just add that I think that uh, the, our campaign work is not necessarily happening the same way it was before. Um, right. But uh, I would just encourage folks who do want to learn more or figure out how to support to follow us online. Um, We're definitely working as a team right now to figure out how to revamp our social media efforts so that it takes over a little bit more. Um, uh, and so you can follow the Coalition of Immokalee Workers or the Alliance for Fair Food on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Um, and 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 we'll be just we'll be sending more updates that way too about how people can begin getting involved in this time in this new normal, I guess, <laughs> that, that we, including, including the hospital campaign, how to support the hospital campaign. Okay, awesome, yeah. And maybe I just have one wrap-up question, which is just, can you, do you have any advice to maybe uh, like children or young people who may become farm workers in the future or who may become, uh, you know, organizers or who, who could be, the next leaders of these movements, maybe any, any advice that you have looking back on maybe, uh, or, you know, kind of advice to your younger self type of thing. Y dice nomás para terminar todo, ¿hay algún mensaje que quisieras compartir con los jóvenes, con la gente que está creciendo ahorita, pero que tal vez en el futuro van a apoyar sus propias comunidades? Entonces, ¿qué le diríamos a la gente más joven? Yo creo que para los jovencitos que ahorita pues en especial que están más en sus casas, ellos también deben de, de saber de, de dónde viene la comida, dónde vienen los vegetales, quiénes son, cómo es la vida de, de la gente que trabajan en los diferentes trabajos en el campo. Entonces sabemos que ahí también al ratito van a estar en una universidad donde la campaña va a seguir. Y eso es bonito que ellos llegarían a escuchar antes la, la vida de los trabajadores en el campo. So I think for, for young folks who find themselves spending a lot of time at home, this is, this is a time where people can become more conscious of these kinds of things, where their food comes from, to learn more about a farm worker and what, they're, what, they're, what a typical day might look like for them. Um, And, and we know that these are, these are people who maybe in the future, hopefully will make it to university and, or, or figure out an, an, another kind of move for themselves. And so if they're able to learn about that now, it's, it's beautiful to think that they can keep in mind the, the story of a, of a farm worker and, and how their food is produced in mind. And, and similarly to, to Sylvia, I think what I, what I, what I would add there too, I think is, uh, um, I, th I think that community support goes hand in hand with that too, right? Is like 
not just the work that a young person might do to build themselves, but also the way that a community builds them too, and how you support, how you involve young people because um, mm, right. keep to get involved very, very early <laughs> um, right. in anything that impacts them. Yeah, yeah. One thing I know we're we're going, we're you know <laughs> keep going, but just that one last thought is just um, one thing that really struck me about the uh, the COLA, the CIW, at least from my limited moment um, several years ago, was just that there was um, so many people involved, and from the food to the music to the artists that have been brought in to kind of create the mess to put the message out there um it was it was really uh special and inspiring so um yeah i anyways uh, i just wanted to say that and yeah i'm really grateful to talk to you both thank you so much for just sharing your insights i know we only have a small amount of time to just chat about it but there's there's so much more to talk about maybe one day we can just you know have an update and see how things have been going maybe with the New York campaign, if that gets to continue once things kind of open up and who knows what the future uh, looks like. Yeah, yeah. Y dice que cuando él llegó a Imuca le, le impresionó bastante ver todas las personas que apoyan, ¿no? Que mm -hmm. son algunos que organizan, pero también muchos músicos, artistas, yeah. diferentes personas y, y vemos la manera de sacar el mensaje por medio de tantas diferentes tipos de personas. Entonces eso dijo que fue algo bien inspirador cuando sí pudo llegar a Imocali. Entonces agradece nuestro tiempo y, agradece, y dice que tal vez en el futuro cuando podamos seguir adelante con el boicot de Wendy's podamos mm. tener otra entrevista sí. para explicar, para actualizar a la gente un poco más. Y también gracias a él por tomar ese tiempo, por escuchar y sacar esto a la luz del, de la vida de los trabajadores o cómo es la comunidad de los trabajadores aquí, lo que estamos enfrentando ahorita mismo con este virus que estamos enfrentando. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and thank you for your time as well um, to be able to, to leave some space to put the spotlight on farm workers and the farm worker community and, and this virus that we're all facing, but that we're also just like seeing a lot of challenges here and in the, in the farm worker community. So thank you for that. And I, I echo what Silvia says. So I appreciate your time. And um, hopefully we'll have more, a lot more positive updates um, by the next week. And I'm sure our efforts are going to prove it. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you both so much.